4: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We've got a good one in store today. It almost feels like a Friday. Um, Joining me during the third half of our three-hour tour, a Hollywood veteran actor, Greg Ellis, who appeared in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Trek, Titanic, and, and many other roles, but he has uh, uh, a harrowing new book called The Respondent, Exposing the Cartel of Family Law. Interesting uh, stuff. We're going to talk with Greg during the third half of our three-hour tour. During the second hour, Dr. Gia Gottlieb is uh, going to share with us um, the historical, religious, philosophical, and scientific origins of our modern-day thoughts about the subject of pleasure. His new book is called "Ah, The Pleasure Book. But first off, my guest this hour is uh, the author of a, a new book called The Authenticity Code, The Art and Science of Success and Why You Can't Fake It to Make It. By Doctor Sharon Lamb Hartman, who joins me by phone. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the show.
4: Hi, Tom. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Um, you know, when I saw that 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 phrase "fake it to make it" has has been used so often, why does it seem like people who appear to be making it also appear to be faking it? <laughs>
4: Well, you know, it's interesting. You can tell when someone is faking it, right? I mean, I can anyway. When you're uh, so often, we we think about walking our talk, and when someone isn't walking their talk, I can see through that. A lot of people can see through that, and but when someone is like authentically being who they came here to be and doing who they you know doing what they came here to do, then it's much. Uh, It's coming from that authentic place, uh, from their from their power, and and so you can you can tell. I mean, I'm thinking about a a coaching client of mine in the past who called me, and she was going in, and she was a lawyer at the time, and she was having anxiety. Uh, She had to, she was getting sick. She she drove to work one day, pulled over, and said, "I can't do it anymore." like, this is just not who I am. And she didn't like the atmosphere she was working in. She was faking it to make it because her parents always told her to be a lawyer. And, you know, she was in her 40s at the time. So she decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I helped her explore who is she authentically. And it turns out she really wanted to be a judge. And once she realized that, she ended up winning and and getting a, a judge uh, and and becoming that, and she still is that today. And she and she loves it. And she even uh, beat out like five hundred other candidates for this judge position because that is who she was born to be.
1: Now it's tempting to ask if success is art or science, but you seem to imply that it's it's both. Do you do you have a sense or or have you formed an opinion about how much of success is art and how much is science?
4: I really think it's a mixture. I don't know if there's a certain percentage. I I really think it's a mixture. I think that the science of success in my book I lay out a code that if you can crack the authenticity code that's that is more a science of success. We provide tools in this book. It's a parable, so it's a fun read. It's designed to read from coast to coast. You know, if you're, if you're on a two- to three-hour flight, you can read it. And uh, the thing is, is that you can, you can really, um, uh, I haven't had my coffee yet, Tom. It's 6 a.m. here. So uh, would you repeat that question? The art and science of success. There's no, there is no um, percentage and but but the science of success we lay out tools in the book and after each chapter the reader can apply the tools to themselves and it's it's a great opportunity that's to apply formulas and to crack the code to success the art of success to me means that you realize that you are the presentation so you realize that you are it, and for and s- everything else supports you.
1: For some people, they are naturals,
4: mm-hmm. and
1: and that sort of suggests to me that those people have a real good grasp on the art of success, because it just comes to them naturally. Can you can you learn and and develop the art of success or is it better to approach it scientifically?
4: I think different styles go to the, the science and different styles go to the art, right? Like if you're more left-brained, uh, you're going to go to the science. If you're more right brain, you're going to go to the art first. But you need both. And I, I'll tell you, I've seen, we, we've done the authenticity code programs in several Fortune 500 companies in mid-sized businesses, in small-sized businesses, and for the general public. And when people start to apply our code, so the code is your presence plus your audience plus your presentation equals your success. And we have tools for each of those. And it kind of becomes like a smoothie, you know, in the morning when you make a smoothie (laughs) and you put all kinds of stuff in it. And it's like, okay, you got your presence and you have the tools for that and you've got the audience and being able to tailor that communication to your audience and then the presentation, a formula for presentation success and communication success. When they start to apply these things and they mix it all together and then we, we videotape people sometimes and they uh, see themselves on video and it's just peeling off the layers to that authentic self I love to do this work because you see people come, become that, and then finally they become the presentation. They become who they are. They become their authentic self, and that's the art of success. Because then they're they're coming from that that almost that heart place versus in your head place.
1: And and that makes me wonder how how you define success.
4: Yeah, that's. A really good question so I define success as it is what you most it's it's an, it's an individual definition of success it's what do you feel is success you know for some people it is it's it's like the what you desire it's what you desire in life um, what you aim for in life and for some people that is having a um, healthy relationships with family and having a great family and a great home. And for others, it's very career-centered, and some want it all, right? Career, family, uh, community. So it's really what feeds your soul, what feeds you as a human being. And I think that's different for each one of us. Like for me, I know I, I my purpose is to bring this work, Uh, to as many professionals and leaders and I even think college students. I'm hoping college students are going to pick up this book and there's an exercise in it that gets them in touch with their authentic brand and it's really their calling in life. And to imagine to know that in college and not have to like figure it out when you're 40 is a huge gift.
1: And so part of the code would be to identify what success is for you and and develop your brand and and then it's about how you go from a to b yes
4: yeah that's exactly it you get your brand
1: in place you have you know a, a success as as a goal your definition of success and and then the book becomes a how to get from one to the other.
4: Yeah, and it's, there, it's not a linear path. You know, it's not like, okay, now do step one, two, three. What we do is we, <laughs> we feed it.
1: If only we it, it were that through. easy, right?
4: I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we, um, uh, it's, like I said, it's that smoothie. But so the, the brand is part of your presence. And there's also, I've identified 12 authentic presence qualities. And you can kind of assess yourself against these qualities and see which ones do you want to grow in and which ones do you just shine in. So that's really around your presence. And then your audience, we have a a style assessment that there's four different types of people um, that, that you can also do a quick assessment and find out, you know, are you more of a point person or a planner person? Or are you more of a party person, like fun and lots of possibilities? Um, and and then there's people people. So you kind of find out who you are. But what's so interesting is we go into any conversation and we start to talk like uh, like our preferred style. And we don't kind of assess who am I talking with? And so we provide clues in the book of how do you spot who someone else is, and then how could you have a great genuine conversation understanding their style? Because I think that, uh, you know, what if we've been looking at authenticity and, and, and misunderstanding it all these years? Because many times people think authenticity is just all about me. You know, it's like, I'm going to do what I want when I want it. And uh, and that is not how I define authenticity. So I define it as uh, that it's your most powerful way of adding value by expressing your unique gifts and talents for your chosen audience. And I so think that so often in authenticity, we forget about the audience. You know, we forget about who we're choosing to be in front of. I mean, if you go into a workplace, you're choosing to be in that workplace. You're choosing to be in that culture. You're choosing to be in front of the customers that 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 company serves. So it's so important that we. it's an intersection between yourself and others because it's an authentic choice to be in front of those people, right? It's an authentic choice who you choose to marry.
1: that's interesting my my dad had a saying he passed away decades ago but he had a saying that really addressed that um in the best way that he could simplify it and and he used to say when in rome do as the romans yes and exactly. he meant it in, he meant it in the best possible way it wasn't you know just just fall in line what with whatever everybody else is doing, but but there was this sense that that you should be sensitive and adjust a little to your environment. Anyway, it's it's interesting, yeah. but I have to take a short break here. Um, Sharon, can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more?
4: Absolutely, happy oh, to.
1: Okay, my guest is uh, Sharon Lamb Hartman and uh, Doctor Sharon Ham. Uh, Lam hartman i should say author of the authenticity code we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us we have some messages as well we'll be right back hello out there everybody it's me tigger ti double
4: that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy <laughs>
1: Joe Vi from the Blue Lions. Dan
5: Thurling.
6: Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor,
0: comedian Jonah Napode. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow.
1: State Senator Jim
2: Annonic, comedian Brian McCree.
0: The unknown comic
2: Mark Farner. And
1: Tom, I want you to know Tom's my
2: friend. You you've always got great questions and you know the material and you and you care about it, and it's uh it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs>
3: hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all Always you you <laughs> I like having coffee at the kitchen table with you.
1: Tune in Monday through Friday from nine to twelve right here on ninety-two point one of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region.
6: where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildy, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, My guest this hour is the uh, author of a um, new book called The Authenticity Code. Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman joins me by phone. Uh, Sharon, uh, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around and sorry to make you sit through all that.
4: Oh, no worries. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) I'm having fun.
1: (laughs) Just before the break, we were talking a little bit about defining authenticity and and there's a subtitle uh, to the book, and I want to make sure I get it right, The Art and Science of Success and Why You Can't Fake It to Make It. Um, you know, we talk about people wearing different hats, and it, it almost assumes that that they're adapting a different personality for each role that they play and and we mentioned parenthetically branding in the first segment and I want to talk about branding it it took me a long time to think of myself as a brand um how how do people go about that without faking it to make it in developing their mm-hmm. brand, how do they not adapt a personality that may not be their authentic self?
4: Yeah, they, they, they need to, so I, I run a company called Inside Out Learning and the reason I named it Inside Out Learning is because I believe what's on the inside creates what's on the outside and so you need to really know who you are and to discover that and in the book, I provide um, a series of five questions that people can answer to get in touch with their brand. And you know, one of those questions is, you know, what what's a role that you most want to hold, you know, before you retire. And if you've retired, I change that to die, right? Like, what's a role that you most want to hold before before you uh, pass away? And so these are the types of questions that you really need to do some soul searching. So for some people, it might be, I want to be CEO, or I want to be a business owner, or I want to be a community leader or a social activist, right? And for others, it's really understanding, wow, maybe it's more about being a role model leader, no matter where I'm leading, you know, or a catalyst. So you really have to do some soul searching, and, and what I love about one of the questions is that it really is a shift in paradigm, because so often, you know, we think that our greatest wound, we need to heal, and we probably do, but what if you could turn your greatest wound into your greatest gift to give? And that's one of the questions, actually, is so often, you know, we we think about that and it becomes part of your brand. I was having dinner the other day with two friends and I mentioned this to them because she started to tell me, it was her daughter, uh, and she started to tell me, you know, I'm going to become a child, I want to specialize in child trauma. And this is a woman who had been through so much child trauma and, um, you know, she, she just, uh, through domestic violence, watching her mother and domestic violence and, um, just a, a, a really unfortunate situation. And, uh, and then her mother said, well, that's why I'm a divorce attorney. And she's the best divorce attorney in our state. And, and it's like, because that's, that's their greatest wound and they they learn to turn that around and to give it and so there's a series of five questions that help people to do that inner work to help them get in touch with their their true brand their authentic brand not you know like the lawyer i talked about earlier that that was not her brand she never really wanted to be a lawyer. it's like that's what her her parents wanted her to do
1: once again, the uh, title of the book is The Authenticity Code The Art and Science of Success and Why You Can't Fake It to Make It um, by uh, Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman. Sharon, if all the world is a stage, why can't you fake it to make it?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, I love that question. You know. I'm not saying that you can never, uh, like, like okay, let's say you're going into a meeting, you know, and you had a, a really tough night personally, like something happened in your family, but you know you have to go show up for a meeting. Uh, and so you, you're going to fake being confident that day, right? Uh, you can certainly do that kind of faking it. What I'm talking about is choosing, like, what you really want to do in life And choosing that, I'm sorry, but you can see right through that. When people are authentically doing what they came here to do and being who they came here to be, it's like then uh, you know it. You are it. Um, it, You know, success just follows you. Uh, It just, you attract success because you are it. That's the art of success. And, uh, And when people are faking it, you can tell when people aren't walking their talk.
1: I, when I first started in radio, um, there was a. I was at this uh, radio station up north, and there was a uh, program director who gave me the best advice I've ever gotten, and it, it applied to radio, but is so much more. He, he he was explaining, you know, don't try to be a boss jock or you know, try to know things you don't know. Um, he said, be yourself but more. Mm.
5: Mm.
1: And I thought that was such great advice, you know, this this idea that um don't relax and be yourself. Be yourself but put right. it out there. Yes.
4: I love that. Yeah, and and it look was at so, what you're doing.
1: It was so simple. <laughs> it was, you know, be yourself but more.
4: Right. I love that. I do. And I was looking at, you know, your radio show schedule and I'm like, Wow, you do this every day, Tom, from nine to noon, you know, and I love that. <laughs> and you're being you're doing your being yourself and more.
1: And and you, you know, know what's yeah. you know what's fun about that, Sharon, is the time flies buy
4: mm-hmm.
1: because well mostly because i get to talk to people like you um yeah. <laughs> the authenticity code again um this it it really is sort of on the same page with not faking it to make it and being authentic those those things are are so related to each other Um, so the idea of, of your book, Sharon, is to help people figure out first how to become their authentic self and, and develop into a brand or, or develop a brand that they want to pursue. It could be Mm -hmm. them personally as, as in my case, I'm, I'm the brand. I am the Tom Sumner program, but yeah. But I could be a producer of a program like the Tom Sumner program, and it wouldn't necessarily be about me, but there would be a brand involved. So it's becoming your authentic self, developing the brand that you want to pursue, and then defining success, which is very much like setting goals, Mm -hmm. and, and then some steps to get there. Um, What about, you know, because originally you said the code was, um, oh, I can't remember all the pluses, but one was presentation. Yes, yes. What about people that are naturally kind of shy and have a tough time being
5: more? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
4: you know, I'll tell you, a lot of times those people um, grow the most from, the cracking the code, you know, because uh, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily not going to be shy anymore, but it means that when you find who you truly are, your greatest gifts and talents give in the world, and you give from that place, uh, you don't think about it as much, you know, about, about be- being shy Um, I was very shy growing up, and my son is very shy uh, now, and it's amazing when you really get in touch with that calling, and you define your brand, and you learn to interact with different styles of people, Uh, that's the the second plus was your audience, your presence plus your audience plus your presentation equals your success, and uh, you just, you start to lead from that place and you become more comfortable.
1: Sharon, did you write or develop the code or did you crack the code?
4: Ah, such a good question. I think I did both, Tom, but I I I did um I did write the code and I've also lived the code in my own life. So I really came up with my authentic brand and put myself through everything, Uh, you know, we we were teaching these programs, and I started when I was uh, being an executive coach at a Fortune 50 company, and they said, what are you doing to these leaders? Like, they're really becoming themselves, and they're presenting in a whole new way, and can you do a program for us? And I said, sure. So, I, you know, wrote the program, and I knew what I didn't really know what I was doing at that time. But when I really sat down and, and put it together, it, it just it was really around helping people uh, to get in touch with who they truly are in their presence and interact with their audiences that they choose to be in front of and how to present clearly and meaningfully and in an influential way. So uh, that's, that's how that happened. But I have several stories of, you know, even how I... I met my husband to moving across country to Arizona. Uh, that that really was when I, I'm being my authentic self.
1: Where where did you move to Arizona from?
4: From Philadelphia. Oh, so I was okay. in Philadelphia for uh, thirteen years after graduate school, and then moved out to Arizona. And right before then, I, I you know I had just decided. I authentically want to live in Arizona where it's warm and sunny and I had grown <laughs> up in uh, in Buffalo, New York and still love Buffalo. Uh you know, have so many friends and family there. But um I really wanted to be where it was sunny and warm and uh and just made an authentic choice to to do that and went out with a girlfriend to celebrate and my husband was there, you know, and came over and said, hey, do you remember me? We were in a night school class together, and um, and it was just, it was funny, right, because I wasn't looking, and I ended up moving just a few weeks later, and then he ended up moving a, a year later, and we got married and have a great son.
1: I, I'm amazed, um, Sharon, that that you moved to Arizona from Philadelphia for the sunshine, um, so I guess it isn't really true that it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's
4: right. <laughs> it really wasn't. Um, no, there was a lot of gray there. But, um, but I, I love that city, too. You know, it's just, I felt like it was time for a change. But let,
1: but let's talk about place and and, and, about, um, and about audience, because so many people in this country this last year and a half have been cocooned, and yes. and now we're, you know, becoming more and more allowed to return to normal, or at least embrace some version of normal—a new normal, as it's being called. Is mm-hmm. is this a good time to reinvent and and and, <clears throat> and, and reinvoke the authenticity code?
4: I really think it is, and it, because so many people have been naturally doing that, I think. I mean, there's been a lot of people who have lost their job during COVID, uh, who who have um, or have just been at home more with their family, and now saying, "Do I want to go back to the way it was? Do I want to return to my office job?" Um, and I think there's been a lot of natural soul searching going on, and then when you don't have the tools, you don't have a code, you don't have the tools to do that, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's just you in your head, right? And so this book is going to help give you those tools to discover what you want to do and to be really fulfilled in life, both from a personal standpoint as well as a professional.
1: So what's, uh, what's next for Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman? Well,
4: this, uh, this book, I would really like, um, you know, all of our Fortune 50, Fortune 500 companies that we do this in love this program, and it has had amazing results for people in terms of uh, getting promoted. And so if you want to get promoted or you want to sell more, or have more uh revenue coming in uh this this book can really help uh and so i i want to take this uh, out to the masses and and really spread the program also there's going to be there's a public program there's an app that when you buy the book you get three free steps of the app um, we also have, you know, in-person programs that we're starting to do again and virtual public programs as well. So my, my mission right now is to really help uh, bring the authenticity code to as many people as possible, many professionals, leaders, college students, uh, and I, I just want to help as many people as I can to become who they truly are.
1: Well, Sharon, it's, uh, it's a real privilege talking with you, and uh, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, about the book, and about your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website?
4: Yes, I do. It's uh, InsideOutLearning, all one word, InsideOutLearning.com, and you can go and check out all the things that that my company does, you know, we we also do coaching and and we do leadership team offsites and training programs. And uh, the Authenticity Code is our signature program.
1: Well, Sharon, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. It's been a real uh, honor and privilege.
4: It's been great, Tom. I so appreciate you and all you do. And thanks for living your brand and being authentic. And I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Take care. Keep up the good Take work. Take
4: care. Thanks.
1: That was uh, Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman, author of The Authenticity Code. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, I was uh, something I saw on Facebook this morning, and I don't know how accurate it is, but Reuters is uh, reporting that uh, software mogul and and quirky adventurer John McAfee has passed away. He hung himself in a Barcelona prison before being uh, extradited to the United States and John McAfee uh, ran for president uh, Ran for the uh, Libertarian nomination for president back in 2016. I interviewed him at that time, and I thought maybe uh, uh, just in the spirit of being a little bit topical, we would uh, revisit that that conversation with uh, John McAfee. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program, and all of our listeners know we've been doing a series called Off the Beaten Path to the White House, which focuses on legitimate candidates for president that you may not have heard about on MSNBC or Fox or CNN. Uh, Joining me now is uh, a libertarian candidate for president, uh, well known for his uh, early work with computer security, John McAfee. John, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, Although i I believe that um, uh, the viewers of CNN, Fox, and ABC also know me very well. I've been on all those programs uh, dozens of times in the past year,
1: and and that's that's kind of a new thing in the 2016 uh, presidential cycle because third-party candidates, however well known for other uh, accomplishments, were not typically given any uh, media time.
2: Well, it's probably because my checkered background and my colorful (laughs) character—not all of it Um, positive—but the, um, you know, I make I make good press. I make good TV. Um, You know, I'm liable to say anything, and uh, and generally do. So the the media likes it. Why do you think Donald Trump has gotten uh, two billion dollars worth of free advertising? Uh, since he uh, joined the race, it's, it's because he's a colorful character. I, I hope that
3: I am colorful in a in a different way. Well, and, um, I'm glad I'm glad you
1: mentioned Donald Trump. I'm glad you mentioned the Donald because he has uh, promoted primarily his business acumen as a reason why people should support him. Some might suggest that you're doing the same thing. How are those two backgrounds different?
2: I think Donald uh, was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and I was born uh, from a, a family that was uh, virtually in poverty. Uh, I, what I, what I uh, built and my innovations and uh, uh, companies, uh, I, I built from the ground up with nothing. Uh, so, and not that that's a, a major issue, but uh, I do know that, that, that Donald Trump does not know uh, the lower parts of life as I do. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a business background. Let, let's look at the difference between business and government. Uh, there are many similarities. You have to manage many people. Uh, you have personnel issues. You, you have budget issues. But in business, we have to face the real world. If I don't have money in my bank account, I can't pay my employees. If the government has no money, they just print it up and, and, and <laughs>
1: that was the voice of uh john mcafee when he was running for president Uh, reuters announcing that he had killed himself in a barcelona prison just within the last day or so and we're going to hear more of that conversation with um tech giant uh, or, or software developer, uh, John McAfee, well-known for the McAfee antivirus software. And uh, we'll hear more of that conversation after we let our broadcast partner squeeze in a few words. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at Michigan.gov slash vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
5: or call the Foote River Watershed Coalition at 810 767 6490 The Time
3: Summer Program dot com Hey,
5: this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to The Times
4: Summer Program.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with my conversation with John McAfee. Uh, Reuters um, is reporting that uh, he hung himself in a Barcelona prison um, at age 75. He's uh, best known to most of us as the creator of the McAfee antivirus uh, software and uh, a bit of a bit of a rogue, uh, kind of an adventurer. But he ran for uh, the libertarian nomination for. Um, president in uh, 2016. He was on the show in May, and we're going to hear more of that conversation straight ahead. You've you've talked about, you mentioned your checkered past, and I, and I don't want to dwell on that because I'm more interested in your thoughts on cybersecurity, but do you consider yourself a, uh, a, a, an adventurer?
2: Myself, a civil disobedience. A person, <laughs> uh, you know, I read in college. In college, they forced me to read Thoreau's uh, essay on civil disobedience. Well, some things that people force you to do, you can actually learn from. And I read that, and I fully understood the the, the message completely. That that if we do not disobey those laws, uh, the things that are legislated that are unjust, unconstitutional. Um, and verging uh, uh, on the criminal, uh, then then who has to obey them? Our children, our grandchildren. Uh, do you want to put this burden on your children? I don't think so. I didn't. Uh, and I won't. Uh, because what I do not stand up for, I'm forcing my children to either stand up for or submit to. Well, that's just not a proper way to live. So, so yeah, I, I have been in jail multiple times, most of them. Uh, for smoking weed, right in front of a policeman knowing that I would get arrested? Why? Because I believe that my body belongs to myself and that um, the um, uh, the government does not own me. It does not, it does not own my mind. It does not own my body. And if I choose to study and believe evolution, that's what I will choose, even though it may offend fundamentalist groups who have control over local governments. I, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, because ideas have a life of their own and simply can't be extinguished. And if I choose to tattoo my body, or to smoke weed, or even if I wanted to become addicted to heroin, it is not your problem, and certainly not the government's. I can promise you that the heroin addiction is its own punishment, and we do not need to punish people more.
1: What made you decide to run for president and and? And potentially work from the inside, having a civil, disobedient uh, nature.
2: Well, I don't think I'm working for the inside. I really do not. Uh, if if you've listened to any of my my uh, my uh, speeches or my uh, my TV appearances, uh, I am so far on the outside. You you can't believe it. See, politics, what is politics defined as? If you you look it up in Webster, everybody who's listening, please, uh, take a moment and and, and look in the mirror. Politics is defined as those uh, practices and procedures necessary to gain power within government and to retain power within government. And that's exactly what our politicians are. Uh, Surely this is not what we intended when this country was founded i want a government based on power i want a government based on service that is we create a government to serve the people we don't we don't need a government to tell us what to do do we we're animals we don't need a government to tell us what's right or wrong we all know what is right and what is wrong hurt one another it's clearly not right we don't we don't steal from one another stealing clearly is not right we keep our contracts or our word. Lying in order to get ahead clearly is not right. Politicians do. Politicians pay no attention to the premises which all people believe. I mean, the, 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 all of the millions of jokes about politicians and lying, about <laughs> politicians and power getting control over people, forcing people to bend to their will, and talk about theft. Good God, what do Congressmen and Senators do other than steal from the public? So, um this is not it, it's not only we intended. But I am not doing this from within the system. I intend fully to do it from without the system.
1: But because but as I, an it's, outsider it's, I'm
2: sorry, go ahead.
1: But as an outsider, John, why try to get inside?
2: Um, am I getting inside? Uh admittedly. Uh, I, I, I get into these presidential debates in the Libertarian Party, but if you watched the debate in Las Vegas, I did the entire debate with all of my with all of my attention. And in the closing statement, I stood up and said, now, do you think you have learned anything about any of these candidates? Because I promise you, you have not. You have all bought into the media creation of something called a presidential debate where well, you have a two-minute opening statement, a 45-second uh, response. If someone mentions your name, you get 15 seconds to reply. The human being does not fit into that structure. The media created this. So I trashed the entire concept of presidential debates because it is nonsense. Think about it. Do you think that presidential candidates write their own speeches? No. Do you think that they are not coached by dozens of people in all possible responses? they are. So what do we know? Nothing. If we elect somebody, we should elect their speechwriter and their coaches rather than the person. So I am not within the system, sir. I do not want to be called a politician. I am going to urge the American public to wake up, take a look at themselves, and using the only weakness within this system of power, that is the people's right to choose to vote. This is the weakness in the system, thank God there is one. Because you cannot beat this from the inside. This has to be taken to the American people in a revolutionary way, using revolutionary techniques. Change is not gonna happen at a step at a time because that is the slow walk into compromise. Change happens suddenly, overnight, and from unexpected quarters, if you have a revolution. And we do, sir. We do.
1: Is, the sta- is the stage set this cycle for a revolution?
2: Well, I'm not talking about an armed revolution. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm
1: talking about um, real change, John.
2: Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the, the entire stage is prepared, waiting for us to come on stage and play our part. The question is, are we going to have the courage, the dedication, and the conviction to do it? That's the only question. The Libertarians, we are half a million strong. Do you realize that when Lenin came back to Russia in February of 1917, he had fewer than 10,000 adherents? And in eight months, he and his adherents were in control of Russia, and the entire system had been turned upside down. I'm not saying that this is a good thing. I'm telling you what revolution is. So if you think that 10,000 people could overturn what was at the time the most powerful nation on the planet, that half a million cannot do that here, this year, now, they can I promise you, sir, they can't.
1: What would, uh, well, and I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the media some more because you have said that you would not support Gary Johnson, who the media is promoting as the uh, presumptive nominee of the Libertarian Party. Um, well, I, I
2: think you should you should look closer at the media. Today, the San Francisco Examiner came out and said that I am the only hope for the party. So the, the media is fickle. The media reports what it thinks people will watch, listen to, or read. Because the media is a business like everything else.
1: I, and I, and have, I, agree uh, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I've always tried to do something... Uh, a little bit different than the norm. What um, is the media asking the right questions? What should government be doing?
2: Well, media is asking the questions that gets more attention. Well, this is why Donald Trump got $2 billion of free advertising because he is good TV. He gets the eyeballs and has made media billions of dollars. So the question is not what should the media be asking? Because why, why should the media be asking anything? The question is, what should the American citizens be asking of themselves? Because if you ask yourself, as an American citizen, am I frustrated, am I angry, am I suffering under the burden of a parasitic government, then we don't need the media. We don't need the media. We need every American to stand up, get outside, carry a sign, march in the street. Write articles for national magazines, and speak to your neighbors, your friends, and to whoever will listen, and wake everybody up. This is what revolution is. I could care less about the media, and if you think I'm not a media master, you, you haven't looked at me closely. Uh, I, you know, I have ten times as much media as Gary Johnson, it's just that I am being myself. And if I choose not to talk about politics one day, I'll talk about shoelaces. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but, that doesn't, but But seriously, the media is not important. We think that we need to learn from the media. You can't learn anything from the media other than power begets power. And power is based on money. And money is based on the eyeballs watching that TV screen. Stop. Get the heck out of your house and do something. Because I promise you, one person marching in the street with a sign The following day, if that person shows up again, there will be ten people. If the sign is true, if the sign is true, I don't care what the sign says, if it touches the heart of somebody else, and the day after that, a hundred people, good Lord, we're half a million strong. If all of us did this, in two weeks, we would have the attention of America in a way that no media outlet has ever dreamed of. This is the message I am trying to get across. And unfortunately, my friend, I have to run. I've got to get on an airplane.
1: Well, I appreciate you taking uh, taking this time. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome, sir. Bye-bye. Take care.
1: That was uh, John, John McAfee as himself. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead.
3: You
6: pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here.